0: Hi, this is Tristan Gutier and you need more front wings.
1: Hello and welcome to another more Front Wing Podcast. I'm Steph Walcraft and Paul is once again away this week. We're giving him a little bit of a vacation it seems like and so I've asked uh, our contributor John Lingle to join me again this week so that we can take a closer look. We, we gave some time to the USF2000 and the Pro Mazda guys last week so this week we're going to give a little bit of time to the Firestone Indie Lights guys and uh, look into them as they come to the closure of their season with two races left at Houston and Fontana. John, thanks for your time again this week and uh i guess we've got not too much to talk about but there is one thing that we kind of need to uh to take a second look at after our show last <laughs> week huh
2: yeah do you want to take the first bout crow or should i
1: no i think you probably should because uh, you you need to take the bigger one i'm pretty sure
2: yeah <laughs> didn't, yeah I, didn't you I, accuse I
1: them one pablo montoya of, of going to furniture row and chasing the money
2: Yes, I did. Uh, I believe uh, cashing a check was the uh, phrase that I used, so uh, I've got a I've got a big old plate of crow in front of me here. Take a <laughs> bite. Uh, I, I, along with pretty much everybody else uh, in the garage that wasn't uh, named Roger Penske, seems to be pretty surprised by this one. I can't uh, remember
1: the last time that something that happened in IndyCar was such a well-kept secret. It's
2: been years Long uh, I, can't, time. I can't remember the last major news that actually really surprised us that we hadn't heard some rumblings and i mean i'd heard absolutely nothing about this and you know even uh uh some some fairly uh credible sources had already had montoya linked with furniture row mm-hmm. and it, it seemed like a done deal and i uh, i wonder if this was in the works at that point or did this really just come together in a, in a day or two I don't know. Marshall spoke with, uh, with Roger Pensky, Marshall Pruitt at racer. Um,
1: and that interview is available over there. Um, I seem to recall him saying that, that it came together fairly quickly and Roger, um, took a bit of a, of a lark on it thinking, cause they don't actually have the funding lined up yet. So he's taking a rolling the dice a little bit that he can actually get some funding lined up, which of course was something that, um, it, well, I shouldn't say, of course, this is speculation, but it appears that that was something that Michael Andretti was not willing to do. So that made the difference in, in, um, making the deal happen. And that I think really speaks to something that, um, has been evident for a long time. And that's Roger Penske's, real strong commitment to to IndyCar and and a lot of the, uh, the now you can hold on I'm going to back up on that a little bit because the, the line that you can draw there is that I'm saying that Michael Andretti is not committed to IndyCar and that's not true that's a that's a least thing from the truth I mean look at look at um, the fact that he's involved in every wrong of the of the road to Indy and the fact that he's got the Andretti sports marketing thing that he started up to save events like Milwaukee. Nobody is questioning Michael Andretti's commitment to IndyCar. Okay, But Roger Penske has perhaps a funding pool to back it up that Michael doesn't have from his own businesses that he can dip into if necessary if the deal doesn't come together and his his willingness to do that is what has made the difference in this case. And uh, I mean, Roger Penske, as far as IndyCar is concerned, is uh, they don't call him the captain for nothing. The man's a champion.
2: Yeah, well, I think the point's well made there. Uh, it, you know, this just shows uh, it gives us kind of a window into Roger's uh, appreciation for Juan Pablo. Um, because for the past few years, with the sponsorship crunches that have happened, uh, whether you look on a NASCAR side with the Sam Hornish, uh, not being able to run uh, without sponsorship, on the IndyCar side, Ryan Briscoe, uh, I don't wanna say being shown the door, but uh, being allowed to go elsewhere uh, this past year, AJ Allmendinger, uh, you know, only being able to run events that had sponsorship, you know, and Roger and Tim Sendrick have been preaching, you know, yeah, you know, we're interested in these guys if sponsorship can be found, if sponsorship can be found. And uh, Juan Pablo comes available uh, through just a uh, garage conversation, it appears, and they just snatched him up and said, we'll figure it out later. So uh, he holds him in pretty high esteem. I think that's that's pretty obvious from this deal.
1: And some people have been speculating on whether some part of it was, was- – uh, Juan Pablo saying, Oh, well, you know, this is a good way for me to stick it to Canassi, seeing as how he just fired me. Uh, again, pure speculation, and, um, whether some part of it might be Rogers sort of sticking his, um, his elbow in, uh, in Chip a little bit, saying, Hey, look who I got. Um, and, uh, Nobody but the people involved know the truth behind any of that, but it's just funny to see sort of some of the immediate assumptions that come out of people in a, in a situation like this when it's uh, when it's sort of out of left field.
2: Yeah, you know, I I, I don't know that I subscribe to that. Uh, you know, Chip and and Juan have had a really good run. Uh, he's run him in his sports cars a lot. Uh, ran him in Indy cars, and he's given him was it six or seven years. Uh, off the top of my head, I believe it's seven years. I'm kind of surprised
1: In, that he didn't just put him into sports cars, to be honest with you. That's thoroughly how I expected Juan Pablo to
2: end his career. I, I kind of thought you might be right. Uh, you know, they've, they've shown the uh, ability to run a second car and uh, depending on what day it is, they're, they're a lot of times not very happy with Memo Rojas who's partnered up with Scott. And uh, so, you know, I've kind of thought it might be headed down that route as well. Um, but as far as the, the NASCAR side of it, you know, I think they kind of knew what they had with each other or felt like they knew they, what they had with each other and just thought maybe it was time to move on. So um, I don't know. There could be a little dig there uh, from from Roger, but uh, uh, I think, it like I said, it just speaks more to his uh, opinion of, of Juan as a racer. Now, whether that carries over in a return to open wheel, we'll have to see. I mean, he's going to have some issues to address after that layoff.
1: Absolutely. So we've got a bit of time. We might as well have some fun. Uh, how do you expect this to play out? What do you, well, let's look at it from two perspectives. Let's look at it just from, from the pure perspective of how is he going to do? And then we're also going to look at it from the perspective as how is he going to fit with his new teammates?
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, Juan can, can, can be a a little different um it's just going to be interesting to see because the cars have changed so much uh from when juan was was last in the indy cars um you know that he's going to have top flight equipment over at penske you know it's going to be top shelf stuff so it's all up to the driver um It'll just be interesting to see, you know, he's kind of got a little bit of, if he still has a little bit of that Formula One mentality as far as information sharing, uh, Leo and uh, Will uh, seem to get along very well together and share data. I know Ron Briscoe was the same way. Uh, they were very complimentary of A.J. Allmendinger. So they really take a, a team approach to it over there. Uh, so I'll be interested to see kind of how he assimilates in as far as, as, far as that standpoint. Uh, having the Formula One background where it's more adversarial between teammates.
1: I do wonder, and I, I said this last week as a potential reason why Juan might not be considering IndyCar. And now that we know that he is going to be in IndyCar, it's interesting to take the same argument and turn it around the other way in that we had, or I had speculated that the reason he might not be considering it might be that, that he um, may not have the success that he had in IndyCar that he did in the early part of of his career and that it would be pretty hard to match that um, and that it would be possibly a little disappointing to come back and not have the grand return that everyone's expecting and go out with a bit of a fizzle. It's hard not to wonder or maybe even take that a step further and believe that that might be
2: what we're getting into here. Um, Oh, well, expectations are going to be extremely high. I mean, you look at a guy like Rubens Barrichello that came in, who'd had a moderate level of success in in Formula One, and people expected him to come in. Some folks expected him to come in and dominate uh, in cars that he had in a series that he hadn't even driven in before. Juan has a a history in the series, albeit in a different car, of some really high-level success, and he's coming to the – one of the top, well, three at least, uh, maybe the top team in IndyCar. So expectations are going to be through the roof for this guy. Uh, So if if he doesn't produce immediately, uh, you know, the pressure is just going to mount from there. So that's going to be really interesting to monitor.
1: Very interesting. Um, Yeah. I guess now we just wait and see. Uh, It'll be also interesting to see whether he's got um, a championship contender and uh, repeat or looking for a repeat uh, winner in, in his teammate to be Elio Castro Neves and how that might affect the dynamic of things at the team as well.
2: Yeah, it could be interesting. And I'm curious to get your opinion. Do you think, uh, I mean, there's been some talk about trying to get him released from the Ganassi contract in time to run him at Fontana, uh, which may give us a window into if any of this is a dig or not. Do you think there's any chance of that happening?
1: Um, I don't see why not. Um, it's, it's possible they could even sort of work something out so that he's just becomes available for that race. It's not like he's in the chase, so I don't see how it really disrupts anything. I don't think he's even got a teammate in the chase, so, no. mm-hmm. um, I don't, I don't see how it would make any difference either way. If the, if the numbers add up properly, seems like a good idea. Um, here's another point of, of, uh, conversation about it. All year, we've been hearing about these these big stories that, that people seem to think are going to be IndyCar's magic bullet. First, it was A.J. Allmendinger. A.J. Allmendinger making his triumphant return. Oh, wait. That's not the magic bullet. Nobody, it hasn't moved the needle at all. Nobody really cares. Oh, but Turbo's coming out. Turbo's going to be great. Turbo's going to get us lots of attention. Oh, it really kind of tanked in the box office. Oh, and look, here's Juan Pablo Montoya. Here he is. He's huge. It's going to be big. It's going to be the magic bullet. Is this going to be the magic bullet, John?
2: No. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't think it will. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, hardcore fans, we're going to have a blast watching it. Uh, it, it might bring a little bit of attention in. Uh, it, it can't help from from the standpoint of uh, his Colombian background. Uh, it might help boost some ratings that way, but we've had colombian drivers before uh, and and have some now uh so i don't see that uh being it being a huge thing um you know indycar to, it's it's going to be a slow process back up to the top and uh they've got to get out of their own way as far as some of this they before they make these true strides they've got to decide what it is they're doing and stick with it which they haven't shown a propensity to do over the last few years you know what are we doing schedule-wise, you know, what's our plan with the cars? Are we going for speed records or are we not going for speed records? You know, are, are we ending at Labor Day or are we not ending at Labor Day? Everything's just always in a arrow kits. We're just always in a constant state of limbo. And, uh, you know, so there, I think there's some groundwork stuff that's going to have to be built before um, – I don't think there's going to be a magic bullet that's going to come along. We'd all like to see it and just immediately have it rocket back to the top. But uh, it's going to be a slow climb.
1: Well, a couple of points relating to that. Derek Walker has made a lot of strides in, in terms of bringing that stability that you mentioned. Um, there was that test last week where it was explicit that the aim was to make sure that uh, that Firestone was able to produce tires that would give the cars the, the uh, foundation, the rubber that they would need to go after speed um, at Indianapolis. So that was that was somewhat heartening to see. Um, the arrow kits appear to be a go, so that again uh, has happened has, has found its footing under Walker's leadership. Um, so there I think a lot of people are looking to him not that he's the magic bullet either but I think a lot of people are looking to him as as being the person who can give some direction to some of those points that you mentioned the other thing that I that I'd add into that is um, the your mention of uh, the, the fact that one well, Pablo Montoya is a Colombian and whether that would make any sort of impact Um if anybody's thinking that, that NASCAR fans are going to start watching IndyCar as a result of of uh, Montoya being a part of it, I think my answer to that would be that the vast majority of response that I have seen to the announcement has been um, a whole lot of, I don't want to say, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm just not going to try to use a word. I'll just try to, to paint a picture. A lot of people um, basically saying, don't let the door hit you in the butt on the way out foreigner
3: kind yeah, of deal
2: it will exactly and there's still a lot of that in the NASCAR fandom uh Juan Pablo was and was always going to be an outsider uh let's not kid ourselves he was he was not gonna win most popular driver anytime soon uh he did not have a, a devoted legion of fans when you go out to the track um you know I think true true race fans uh respected his abilities uh and knew what he could do in a car but uh there was a lot of that uh kind of base nascar element that uh couldn't care less about him being there and were only happy when they saw him hit the wall so uh yeah i mean expecting them to come over uh, I, I, there's not going to be a the people that that appreciate him are probably already watching andy car because mm-hmm. they're the people that appreciate all forms of racing, and really appreciate the drivers and the talent that they have, and uh, and and aren't so, you know, Team America, right? <laughs> uh, centric,
1: right? Exactly, and uh, one would presume that Juan now has a fair amount of training to do in the off season
0: <laughs>
1: to uh, to guarantee that he'll he'll uh, have no trouble getting into that cockpit when the first of the year next year comes around.
2: I will say he he handled that question pretty well, because it's got to be pretty rough to get asked uh, if you're too old and fat. Uh, (laughs) No no matter what the question's in reference to, that can't be a nice one to hear. And uh, I thought he did actually did a pretty good job of handling that.
1: Well, he has to have seen it coming. Let's be honest. He has to have seen, he has to have anticipated the
2: question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think he even uh, the part of it that he mentioned was that, you know, he he recognized that. So, uh, you know, he, he has a mirror. So I think <laughs> I think he knows uh, uh, that there's some work. And I, I believe his ac- answer was that he was already uh, on some work about that. And I saw he's been posting about workouts on Twitter, which wasn't a normal occurrence before. So, right. um, you know, I think he, he should be ready. You know, you're you're a millionaire uh driver you've got a whole off season to get ready he he should be ready to go if he if he's truly serious about it he'll he'll be ready to go but there's going to be some work to, to be done in that regard
1: well we shall see it will make things very interesting for next year no doubt so having given that time to what appears to be really the only true headline in IndyCar this week since our last podcast, um, let's give some time to the third rung in the Mazda Road to Indy. As I said at the beginning of the show, we gave some time last week to the USF 2000 and the Pro Mazda guys. Let's give a little bit of time to Firestone Indy Lights and uh, look to them as they come toward the end of their season. They have two races left, um, the, the Grand Prix of Houston and their season finale at Fontana and at the moment there are four some could even mathematically say five drivers in the running for that title which is fairly impressive when you consider that there have only been about nine of them racing regularly throughout the year and of course if you sit and you look at it analytically you realize that the reason why the 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 points battle is so tight is because nobody has actually had the ability to finish lower than 10th for many of the races at this year but that being said the talent that is at the top of this series is is excellent and um, despite the shallow fields I think there's not a whole lot of question that the guys who are fighting it out for the championship at least at least a couple of them are getting close to the point where they're going to be ready to move into the eyes on IndyCar series in the near future possibly even at the risk of there not being enough seats to accommodate them all because there, there are a couple of guys that are sort of coming into the their their moment at the at the same moment so um it'll be very interesting to see how that aspect of things plays out
2: yeah and and the thing is that i do want to focus on uh, you know we've all made the jokes about the about the field size you know and uh uh the the pr people have been happy all year because every press release can start with you know driver x with a top 10 finish (laughs) at this event uh But I know when I spoke with Dan Anderson and Jeremy Shaw, they both mentioned that, uh, you know, if you look, yes, the field is very short, and that's a problem, and it's something that they're going to address, hopefully, uh, going forward here. But uh, those top two, three, four guys, it's been tooth and nail. So there has been some good racing up there. Uh, It's just that there's just not a whole lot of, of field filler to go with it.
1: Right, so I had the opportunity to sit down with Sage Karam, who is racing this year for Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports, of course, a a storied team in the Firestone Indy Light Series, and um, is currently leading the point standings by two points going into Houston, um, ahead of, we've got uh, Carlos Munoz of Andretti Autosport, and his two teammates, Gabby Chavez and Jack Hawksworth, trailing behind them. I think it's a nine-point spread between those four drivers, so it's incredibly, tight. Um, got a chance to sit down with Sage and uh, chat with him about where his head is at as he gets into this late stage of the season, um, his hopes for moving up and how much winning the title is dependent on his ability to do that, uh, and got some very interesting comments from him as well out of um, what is going through his head as he um, develops this rivalry with Carlos Munoz who races for his former team and uh, how that plays into his motivation to uh, to do his best and come away with uh, with this firestone any lights title
3: so let's give a listen to that interview right now Steph Walcraft of morefrontwing.com here speaking with Sage Karam. Sage is an 18-year-old American hailing from Nazareth, Pennsylvania, who drives the number 8 Comfort Revolution machine for Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports in the Firestone Indy Light Series. And Sage is currently two points ahead of uh, Carlos Munoz in the championship battle as it heads into the final two races at Houston and Fontana. Sage, thank you so much for taking some time to speak with me today. I really appreciate it.
0: Uh, Thanks. It's a pleasure to be on the show.
3: Uh, so let's just start by letting you summarize your 2013 rookie season in Indy Lights, um, just in your own words, how you feel about how your your ups and downs have been and uh, what the highlights of the year have been for you.
0: Yeah, I think overall, you know, this has been a pretty successful year for me in Indy Lights. Um, you know, we picked up two wins on uh, Milwaukee and Iowa. Um, we We came close to winning, uh, some other races, obviously the four-wide finish at Indianapolis, and um, then we got second a uh, c- couple weeks ago. So, um, you know, we've also had t- some down points in the season. I think uh, Toronto and Mid-Ohio, we got sixth and eighth, which, which weren't very good for for our for our season um, championship run, but, um, you know, we bounced back at Baltimore, like I said, with a good second-place strong finish, and, um, you know, Munoz had a little bit of bad luck, so... that that opened up the championship a little bit, uh, for, for other drivers like me, Gabby and, and Hawksworth. So, um, yeah, it's going to be really tight. I think, uh, this championship, it's, uh, two races left and nine points are separating the top four. So, uh, I don't think there's ever, ever been a a championship in Indy like this close between four drivers. So, um, it's, you you can't lay back. It's just going to have to be, you got to keep pushing, uh, keep being aggressive and you're going to have to push over a hundred over a hundred percent, uh, these next two races. And, uh, it's just going to be whoever wants it the most.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. Well said. Um, where is your head going into this, this last part of the season? Because you've got Houston coming up, which is a complete unknown to all of you. And then the final race of the year is, uh, Fontana and, your closest competitor in the title fight, uh, Carlos Muñoz, won that race last year. So, um, how does how what's what's in your head in terms of what you need to accomplish and overcome to claim this title for yourself?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think I try not to, to think about the title too much. I don't like to put all that, that pressure on myself, and um, you know, I just try to focus on the task at hand. And the task at hand right now is Houston. Um, I think at Houston. You know, this year, I've been uh, at all the races this year. Munoz or Dempsey has had the upper hand pretty much on the field going um, to all those tracks uh, in previous years. So um, it's going to be a a new starting point for them, and and it's going to be a new starting point for us. So I think um, it wipes out any advantage uh, that that they would have had uh, going into a weekend. So I think it's going to be a pretty cool weekend. I think um, this weekend is going to come down to – who can figure out the track the fastest, and, um, you know, it's gonna. It, it, I think it's going to be a great race. Uh, I'm really looking forward to Houston. I think uh, new tracks are, are one of my, my strong points. I think I can pick up a track pretty quickly. Um, I know that uh, Hawksworth's pretty good at picking up tracks pretty quickly, too, so I think you'll see Hawksworth be pretty quick right off the bat. So, um, you know, that's another good thing, having good teammates like Gabby and, and, and Jack is um, that I can learn from them as well as, um, you know, just being able to look at their data and look at their video. So, um, you know, I think the Schmidt team's is going to be pretty quick at, at this Houston race. But, uh, yeah, like you said, Munoz has won Fontana, so um, I definitely thought about that a little bit. Um, that's why Houston's going to be such a key race in the championship. If we can win Houston, I think we can get a little bit of uh, some cushion going into Fontana, and, uh, you know, it would take a lot of pressure off.
3: Sure. Uh, let's talk about Fontana a little bit more because we did mention Munoz having that win there last year and he had the win at Pocono this year as well, which is probably other than Indy, the other track that sort of best translates into what you're getting into going into Fontana. But you do have those two short oval wins this year. How much of what you've learned from running and winning those races do you think that you're going to be able to transfer forward to put up your best fight at Fontana?
0: Yeah, I mean it's, it's... It's going to be tough uh, you know Munoz was was very dominant at Fontana last year and uh, he was very dominant at Pocono this year so um, you know we're expecting when we get there Munoz to be fast obviously and uh, it's going to be a um, just trying to stay with them in, in a catching game So um, I think uh, you know the short, the short ovals I don't know if they're going to have a, a lot a lot to do with how we set up our car with um, on our setup for Fontana. It's going to be uh, taking things from Pocono. We learned, and um, you know, we ran here last year, and I don't think I don't think we completely uh, nailed the setup last year with, with Tristan and, and Esteban. But um, I think uh, we learned some things at Pocono at the end of at the end of the uh, the weekend that we can bring over to Fontana. That's going to help, and I think uh, we can go more in that direction, which which is going to help. So I think we're going to be a little stronger. At Fontana this year, and I think we can you know maybe give them a run,
3: great, so. I'd like to know what's motivating you most right now. And there are a lot of things that could be, so I want to sort of dig into your head a little bit because I mean, you're the only American that's in this title fight for the, champ- for the championship right now. Um, Carlos Munoz being your closest in points, and he's racing for a team that you used to be associated with in Dreddy Autosport. And um, of course, there's also the fact that you're racing for yourself and to get yourself into a better position to move on with your career. How much is each of those factors weighing into? To the fire that's that's uh, burning within you to do this right now.
0: Yeah, this year has been this year has been probably you know um, I don't know how to say this really, but just like the most committed year that I've I've been racing just because of of everything that's happened. Um, You know, leaving Andretti Autosport after three years and and pretty much growing up with the Andretti family and um, coming to to Schmidt in Motorsports, and that was a huge change for me. And I don't know if, if people thought that that change was going to happen, and, or, and it caught some people off guard. And um, you know, it, it was it was a big change, and uh, it took a little bit to get used to. But you know, it seems like it's been working working out well so far. So, um, but um, yeah, I think uh, being the only American in the championship championship hunt, and uh, that's also a very cool feeling. It's just to be able to to carry the American flag. Um, you know, I always, uh, whenever I win a race, I'm always holding my American flag. That's, that's like my, my, my thing I like to do. I like to, um, uh, you know, I like to show that I'm American and, and, um, you know, and America needs, needs to be on top. I feel like in, in, um, in eyes, out Indy car series and, and Mazda Road Indy. So that's, that's my main goal is just to hail the flag on top. But, um, yeah, uh, like you said, you know, the big rivalry that I have right now with, with Munoz and, and then Sport I think that's just the big thing. It's just, I want to, I want to beat and Jerry Sport as bad as I want to beat Munoz. And, and, uh, it's, it's not because I don't like them or something. Cause that's not the, that's, that's not it at all. Like I, I, respect their program and that that's it. It's just, I know how much time and effort they put into those cars and, and, um, to make those cars 110%. And, uh, when you beat an entry car, you're beating a very good race car. So it's always a great feeling. And, um, also being a rookie to win it rookie season would be incredible. And, uh, I know Munoz is a very good driver and I got really, two really good teammates that beat me last year in, Ma- in star Mazda or pro Mazda now. So, um, you know, it's a little bit of redemption as well. So it's going to, it's, definitely, um, would be an awesome feeling to win this championship.
3: Right. Um, so, looking ahead a little bit further now, regardless of whether you win the championship, although I'm sure that winning the championship would make this a little bit easier, do you feel like you've learned enough this year that you're ready to move up, or do you think that you need to spend a little bit more time in Indy Lights before you're ready to to move up to the IndyCar series? What what's your feeling on that?
0: I think uh, if the right opportunity uh, came about for next year with IndyCar. Um, I think we could, we could go and be ready and, and do it. But, um, you know, I I wouldn't mind spending another year in Indy Lights. Um, it, I think, uh, I'm just starting to really, really come into my own here in Indy Lights and, and learning, learning this car and learning how to set it up very well. So, um, you know, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be disappointed if I do another year in Indy Lights, but, um, knowing that the dream and what I've worked for for so long is, is, is so close and it's just the next step is just that's the part that, that really gets to me where I just, you know, I want to be able to do it. But, um you know, I think if I do stay in Indy Lights next year, you'll, uh, you'll see me maybe do a couple one-offs in, in the Eyes Out IndyCar series. Um, but, yeah, I think if I win the championship, I think it'd be a little bit easier and uh, we, we might be able to put something together for a full ride next year in IndyCar. Car.
3: Fantastic. Um, you are one driver who has uh, spent your uh, the last few years in the in the Mazda Road to India and who's really benefited from it in terms of uh, being able to move up the ladder at a, at a pretty decent clip. Um, can you talk a little bit about how that system has worked for you?
0: The Mazda Road to India, I mean, really, has, has pretty much saved my racing career. I mean, we just... Um, before it, you never knew where you were gonna go. Now there's a design path on, on, on how to how to get to the dream and how to, how to how to acquire it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've been I, I was fortunate enough to, to have done pretty well in the in the latter series. I've worn in every step uh, from USF 2000 Indy light so far, and um, I won my USF 2000 uh, title rookie season. Then I got the scholarship to go run uh, Star Mazda. I got fifth and third you know, I was a little disappointed with that, but, um, you know, that's, that, that's when I realized uh, maybe that I needed a switch w- with uh, w- with with what I was doing, and that's when we approached Sam with Sam Schmidt, and, uh, you know, now we're fighting for a championship in Indy Lights, and, uh, you know, coming off of last year, people, I think, expected Hawksworth to have a, another very dominant year, and, and uh, you know, now that... I can see what he's doing, and, and uh, you know, I've learned a lot this year. This year has been an awesome year for me to learn. I've I've learned a lot on driving setting up cars and, you know, how how Hawksworth and Gabby work, and um, it was definitely, I want to say, almost like a wake-up call because, um, uh, you know, I think seeing them, how serious they were made me want to be just as serious, if not more serious, and, and I think that's what's leading to some of the success right now It's just we're Within the team, we're we're battling each other on and off the track, and I think that's what's what's making the Schmidt team um, uh, go on top right now. You know, like at Baltimore, we swept the podium, and I think that was because we all pushed each other to the absolute limit.
3: Very cool. Um, and one last question I have for you is having spent this rookie year in Indy Lights, um, you've been in it in what's really turned into a transition year as Dan Anderson is preparing to take over. And so you've seen some of the changes that have started to happen in terms of how the series is going to be run and, and what's going to happen for its future. Being in the position that you're in now where you're, you might be moving up, but you're not sure you might be spending another year. What's your perspective on the changes that you're seeing happening on, before your eyes right under, underneath you?
0: I think they're good changes. I think, um, I think Dan, he does a great job with, um, with, with a bunch of series. You know, he, he's done USF 2000s, uh, Pro Mazda, and now Indy Lights, and, you know, he's always done a great job with the series. Um, I think uh, cost reduction is going to be huge, and, and that's, that's the big thing right now. It's just the cost, um, you know, Indy Lights this year was, I think, just too much for, for teams and drivers, and uh, it needs to be lowered, the cost. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really expensive. And three or four years ago, it was only half of, of what it is now. So it's uh, definitely gotten up there. Um, I think uh, I'm excited to see what Cooper Tires has, has to bring on board to the series. It's going to be a little bit different, you know, because Firestone has, has been the, the title sponsor of the Indy Lights uh, series for so long. So it's going to be a little strange seeing Cooper on the side on the sidewalls, but um, you know, I think uh, that's going to throw a whole new mix into the, into the game, and everyone's going to have to throw their setup sheets out and, and start from scratch. And um, you saw that with Pro Mazda this year, just um, coming off of good years, people had to learn the new tire. So, um, you know, I think they're also talking about paddle shifts. Um, we'll see. We'll see when how that all turns out. But if they get paddle shifts on these cars, I think that's also going to be a uh, more appealing effect to the drivers and and want to reel in more drivers to drive these cars. I just think these cars just need to be more modernized and and uh, appealing to the eye to, to the drivers and sponsors. So um, yeah, we'll see. Um, I think uh, it's overall going to be a great great car in the future, and I think uh, they're all doing good things.
3: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for all of your uh, very candid answers. Best of luck to you as you close out the season, and uh, hope you can put that red, white, and blue up at the top at the end of the year.
0: Thank you. I'll do my best.
3: All right. Take care, Sage. Thank you really excellent chat with
1: sage Karam. Uh, I never I've never had a chance to speak with him before he's uh, he's got a lot of passion a lot of energy for what he does and it's uh, it's really really great to, to hear that's the kind of thing that you want to see um, when you're thinking about your future of uh, particularly American drivers uh, and uh, getting getting them getting the American public sort of excited about the patriotism uh, that that could potentially exist for for supporting these young guys as they pursue their dreams so really really excellent stuff from sage thank you so much uh, to him for his time um and we just at the end of that um we talked a lot john about about the uh the future of indie lights and sort of the changes that are already taking place in terms of of um getting that series back on its feet after uh, this the season that uh, it's it's really you have to hope kind of hit rock bottom a little bit in in 2013 but is already showing signs of turning around and i know that you chatted with dan anderson recently about some of the changes that he has in store so maybe you just um go over some of those with us and uh, remind us where he's headed with that
2: yeah absolutely dan dan was very forthcoming whenever i spoke to him about that um you know, he realizes just as pro Mazda was this year uh, it was a pretty, was a big undertaking uh, for them to try to turn that series around and help. it. Uh, you know, he knows and admits that the Indy lights is, is a pretty monumental task going forward. Uh, but that said, he's got a plan in place uh, that he's going to implement uh, where he's hoping to uh, return the field counts up into the mid teens by next year when they'll have a still be on the old car and the old engines Uh, but the uh, a new car and a new engine package will debut the following year and uh, they're hoping to get up into the the 20s as far as car counts go uh, once that package is all in place and that you know going from nine cars to up into the 20s would be a huge step forward and uh, he articulated that uh, the three main things that they're going to do to try to shake it up next year, he, he acknowledged that one of the problems is this this car, tire, and engine package has been run for so long that, uh, say, more front wing was going to start up an Indy Lights team next year, and we buy a car. We're 15 years behind as far as setup data to some of these teams.
1: Yeah, and, and Sage no touched to on that as well. Sorry, Sage touched on that as well when he was talking about the... um... The fact that they're going to bring in the paddle shifters and the fact that they've been testing the Cooper tires and just that those things that seem simple are are big enough changes to sort of reset everybody on this grid and have them sort of have to rip up their setup sheets and start from scratch. And that's that's a huge shot in the arm for this series because you look at the teams that have been around for a long time um, and they've just sort of been mopping the floor with the smaller teams that try to come in uh, and and. The motivation to try to do it is just
2: not there. Well, that, yeah, that's one thing that Dan mentioned is the uh, next year they'll change to Cooper tires. There'll be an all-new damper package that uh, there's, that's being finalized as we speak, and uh, the paddle shift kits will be added to the car, replacing the uh, sequential shifter uh, that was down down in the tub, and and his whole impetus behind that. Was to to shake it up, because as he, he was telling me during that interview, you, you can't get anybody to buy one of these cars and join the series because they feel there's no way to be competitive. And with the type of money you've got to spend to run a lights campaign, and you're basically coming in with no hope of running up front, he knew he had to really throw a big swing at it and change it up. And, and that's what it's going to do because of the tire change and the damper change all that setup data that Sam Smith Motorsports and Andretti Autosport, that, that they've accumulated over the years, 90% of that's going to go out the window next year, and we could see a big shakeup.
1: Absolutely. And um, the other thing that, that Sage brought up and that everybody has brought up in talking about this series is the importance of bringing the cost down to run as well because um, those budgets have, uh, have increased significantly over the past few years, and that's been another big deterrent. And we're seeing in not... Just in uh, open wheel, but in all uh, areas of motorsport, that that um, some some what was the term that you used last week? Some normalization? No, it was some some correction, market correction uh, has is right. at the point where it needs to take place. So I believe yeah. that Dan was speaking about that as well. Some of the initiatives that they
2: had he, in mind for that. Yeah, that's some of the things that they've looked at. They really Anderson Promotions uh and i'm not on the payroll i'm giving a lot of credit here but i feel it's due uh they they really have a good plan the the tires the damper package and the paddle shift they've designed those so that they will transfer over to the new car it's all in a in a goal of trying to bring people in next year even though it's in a lame duck car you buy all that stuff you don't have to purchase it again whenever you buy the new car in 2015 and it just transfers over your cost of ownership on the 2015 cars less and uh, they're looking at the engine uh, package they're taking bids uh, they should have received those bids over the baltimore weekend i haven't got a chance to get back with dan i need to to uh, check and see how that went uh, but they're going to run the same infinity engines uh, that they ran this year they'll run those again next year on kind of the same rebuild schedule uh, because dan did purchase that that engine program uh, along with the series. But starting the following year, they're going to go to something more along the lines of the Pro Mazda series. And those guys ran their engines the entire year. Uh, now, it may not be quite to that level at Indy Lights, but uh, they're, they're looking at taking a substantial chunk of the engine budget out of that series, which is really going to help attract new teams.
1: Now, if you do get back with Dan, here's a question for him. I'm just talking out out of things that I've heard here and there, none of this is concrete, and I like to say that up front, um, but we're hearing people saying at this stage that although they're going to be making purchases of things like paddle shifters and and um, new dampers, packages, and that sort of thing for next year, we're already hearing that for next year, the price of running is going to be lower. So that makes me go, hmm, okay, they're talking about buying this and buying that, and we got the same chassis and the same engine, the only factor that's changing there is the tires. So one then has to presume that Firestone, and you, I think Dan told you this, that the, the relationship with Firestone effectively was just slapping their name on the series and they were charging market value for the tires, and that's really about the only involvement that Firestone had.
0: But we have to
1: presume that the the Cooper tire relationship is coming with quite a bit more. And it sounds like it's coming with a significant reduction in tire cost.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. That was something that he had mentioned was that uh, Firestone had their name on the billboard for Firestone Indy Lights. And they were selling these teams, the the tires. But there was no partnership there. This was just a strictly commercial relationship. Um, I think keeping their name on the billboard was, was more of a, of a face-saving measure for the series as well. But with Cooper Tires, who obviously, uh, Dan and Anderson, they have a, a, uh, a history with them. Uh, they're, they're the spec tire provider for USF 2000. And as of last year, the Pro Mazda series, well, they've come in as an actual partner to the series. And by doing that, their budgets have already dropped because the tire cost is going to be a lot lower. And uh, Cooper Tires is, is wanting to activate that uh, that partnership, so they're, they're making efforts to to be a true partner to the series. And uh, that was one thing that that uh, Dan had mentioned to me. Uh, that right now he's saying it's it's upwards of five hundred thousand dollars a year to run a lights program, and uh, that's a huge investment when you're talking about running with eight other cars out on track. Yeah, and
1: uh, and not much of a TV package and.
2: Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And they're looking at dropping at at, at a minimum a hundred grand off the top mm. of of that uh, cost to run. And that was one of the things that he mentioned is is that he's able to 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 sell these teams on because he's proven it in the other two feeder series that he's taken over that that what he has promised they've been able to deliver through the partnerships that they have and going into. Next year with the tires and then the year after that with the engine, they'll have true partners again. Uh, you know, Infinity hadn't been a partner on the engines for seven or eight years. Uh, I don't you know, think it right. even
1: says Infinity on the engines anymore. I think they've been running as unbadged despite being the same engine for quite a long time.
2: Yeah, I believe that's right because it's, uh, I mean, like I said, seven, eight years ago that, that any type of actual partnership had, had expired. You know, so these are some really old power plants uh that that require more rebuilds than they would like so big changes too you know and that's the two as anybody that uh takes part in any type of racing knows engine and tires that's the quickest quickest place for your budget to explode right so if dan can can help those teams in those two areas he's got a legitimate chance of, of really cutting the budgets down to a more manageable level for those guys.
1: Well, very exciting times for the Firestone Indy Light Series, and great to be able to give some time to the Series and to those drivers as uh, as they look to to move to the next steps in their careers, uh, which is, of course, the big step into the big cars. So. Um, very exciting times for that series, and uh, and for Sage Karam and the other uh, championship contenders in Firestone Indy Lights. We had hoped to have uh, one or two of the other ones on this week, but unfortunately schedules did not align. Um, so we're looking to see if we can give you a little bit more Firestone Indy Lights stuff next week, um, as we have. I think what are we two weeks out now from Houston? getting there yeah so we should have some time we'll try to track down a couple of these the, the um, other co- championship uh, contenders for Firestone Indy Lights uh, as we as we uh, get ready for them to to wind their season down at Houston and Fontana
2: Yeah, my weather requests are taking shape too it was only 92 degrees here today
1: oh fantastic if we just keep that downward trend going that would be <laughs> lovely and um, one more note from the from the bulletin before we call it a day um as you may have seen we have started our uh, campaign for our charity sponsorship initiative for our coverage of the shell and penn's grand prix of houston we will be supporting the dyslexia institute of indiana at the request of our our benefactor this time around very excited to be um getting into that partnership we've been in touch with the uh, with DII and they're very um, excited and happy to be uh, to be the recipients of of this particular campaign and we've also had um, some excellent support from IndyCar driver Justin Wilson who um, has supplied us with some items to auction off to help to raise some funds for DII very very kind of Justin and the first one is already up we've got a pair of autographed uh, race worn gloves that Justin signed right before my eyes when he gave them to me when I was at Sonoma and these are uh, the gloves that he wore when he was racing at the double header at the Honda Indy Toronto Um, they are up on eBay right now you can find the link to them from the story uh, on the front page of morefrontwing.com or if you just search on eBay I'm sure that they can't be too hard to find. Um, Please do bid generously, all of the proceeds from the auction will be going directly to the Dyslexia Institute of Indiana and we've got more once that is done so please keep an eye on uh, morefrontwing.com as we get that campaign rolling heading into Houston. So unless I've missed anything, John, I think we're ready to call it a day.
2: I think we've uh, covered about all there is to cover.
1: Alright, well thanks to you for your time again this week. Uh, we'll have to see how things go next week if Paul decides that he's going to push you aside and uh, and, uh take over his, uh, his big boy seat this uh, in, in this little show we run here but uh, if we get a chance to bring you back to talk a little bit more about um, Indy Lights and, and Preview um, Houston then we will certainly do so and uh, thank you to Sage Karam for, for his time speaking, uh, speaking with us for the show and thanks to all of you at home for listening we don't thank you enough uh, without you we have no reason to sit here and gab about racing for an hour so thank you very much for giving us that opportunity and um, we we will be back next week. But in the meantime, if you need IndyCar news and views, get a grip with more Front Wing.